0: A note to our dear listeners, this episode was recorded before the COVID-19 pandemic changed, well, everything. We're sharing it today in the hopes that it offers a little break to the endless news cycle and adds some livity to a time when it's really easy to feel overwhelmed. Please, please stay safe, stay home, and stay well. The FBGs love you. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls Podcast. This is FPG Margo, and on the line today we have FPG Jen. Hello. And we have FPG Kristen. Hey. Hey. Today we're talking with Lisa Kaning. She is the possibility mom. Jen and I were on this call. Jen, you were actually pregnant with your twins at the time that we spoke to her. <laughs> and that's it's incredible because Lisa Kaning is a mother of seven she might be mother eight at this point. We will double check that and I'll put in the show notes, but she was also on HGTV's marriage under construction with the property brothers. So I kind of totally geeked out when I got to talk to her about that in this interview, but she talks all about time management. She has seven kids. Did I mention that? And she has her own business her own des- design business. And I guess she, wa- she had tricks for handling messy mom moments. And then All of a sudden, Jen just had a bunch of them she wanted to share with us off the air. And I said, no, we need to share this with everybody. (laughs) So, Jen, like, what are your favorite messy
1: mom moments? My favorite. She is a mom of eight. Oh, my goodness. I just can't. I just I'm a mom of three now. And I just cannot. (laughs) So when she was talking, it was just like, well, you know what you're talking about. Preach, preach, preach. Yeah. Messy mom moments. I have like a million. Like I have emotional messy moments. I have physically messy moments every day. It's just like a cascading amount of messy mom moments. But the one I was um, sharing with the girls before we got on was, I was like, Hey, did I ever tell you about that time that I, um, did Gwen's baby book and through like, you know, like a service, like I had it printed through like Shutterfly or something. And uh, I totally spelled her name wrong, like <laughs> on the baby book. And I printed out, like, I not just one book. It wasn't just for us. Like, I was like, oh, this will be a great gift. So I'll get, like, five because I have, like, a 50% off coupon. I'll get one for the grandparents and, like, the sister and all kinds of stuff. So one night I remember, this is probably only – Gosh, Gwen was probably only, like, maybe a month old, and I had all the newborn pictures, and they're all pretty, and, like, you see all all these moms do, like, these amazing birth books after that are, like, so pretty and put together, and I'm like, well, I can do that. Sure, this will make it easy, and one night, like she goes down, I was doing it like 930 at night or something, which feels super late for some reason. And I was trying to be as quiet as possible because you don't want to wake up the baby. And I get so excited, you know, wait for it to come in the mail. It comes in the mail. I look at it. I'm like, this is great. I don't even notice that it's spelled wrong when it comes (laughs) in. Okay. Living. Let's just, I write and edit for a living, you know, don't notice it. Put it down. My husband comes home. My husband is not a good speller. Like, bless his heart, he can do so many good things. He's a fantastic communicator, can't spell. So he rolls it and he's like, wait, is that how you spell Gwendolyn? And it was just like, Q. Waterworks, Q <laughs> hormones, Q, like me feeling like I was the like worst mom ever in existence, and like what am I gonna do with these like five pieces that like hold all of my mom's shame? Like what am I gonna do with these? I think eventually, I I think I we gave them to like extended family <laughs> or something. <laughs> oh. yeah like it was like a hundred dollars of books it was terrible so then I had to you know I redid them and everything um but that is like one of those moments where I look back on and it's like it's kind of it's funny now but at the time it really was like extremely like almost traumatizing
0: no Um, no it's your first baby too and she was yeah I mean my goodness you waited a long time to have her so I'm sure there was all that going through your head
1: plus I'm like why I could have picked a shorter name than Gwendolyn or and that's opinion. another thing too yeah <laughs> cuz it was like L N Y or something like that's where I got it like all it was at the end of of Gwendolyn anyway but then yeah in other in other ways like just just messiness all over the place with like dirty things i was just also telling the girls that i realized that i had banana yogurt all over like my necklace i was like why is my necklace sticky and oh. Uh, it's just left over from yesterday didn't even realize it was there until now so yay yay for being a messy mom but one of the um so I like how she talks about being a messy mom in the interview but I also like that she gives you know so much good practical advice because she she really describes like her messy mom moment is this really um gosh vivid moment that she has in like her minivan it's mm-hmm. like a epiphany like aha that is like oh my gosh I'm doing this wrong and so she really kind of changes her life and that's really what the possibility mom is is it's not always about you know like reaching your full potential and doing everything it's really making sure that you are the mom that you that you want to be and that might mean not working so hard and there's a piece of advice that she, that she gives in it. It's talking about how we as moms need to change what achievement means. And I think that's going to really work for non-moms too, but especially for moms where, you know, really you may look at your to-do list and not get anything done at all, like at all. But that doesn't mean you weren't doing anything. It doesn't mean you weren't busy. It doesn't mean what you did for the day didn't have value. So she talks about, you know, you might just need to really high five yourself for putting the laundry away Or like really celebrating taking a shower. And it seems so silly because in your pre-kid life, you know, like, well, you should be able to take a shower, you know. Um, But it really is sometimes challenging to do that and to put yourself first. So I I will admit that I'm a bit of a a dork in the um, self-celebration that I have (laughs) Um, when I'm home and I'm able to do things like that. Well, I will literally give myself (laughs) a five.
0: That's awesome, though.
1: And it was something that uh, going back to like after you know having Gwen and kind of maybe setting the bar a little too high like oh you need to have the baby book within the month and you need to have everything spelled correctly well now the bar is a little bit lower and i knew that once i had the twins that in order for me to really be happy and to be able to take care of myself and have self-care was that i was going to have to lower the bar like way, way 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 down and so now i mean if anyone saw me It would be, it would seem silly, but it really does make me feel better. Or I will like actually say out loud, good job, Jen, way to go. (laughs) Like way to get that 10 minute workout in way to, you know, clean those dishes. And man, you just scrub that floor like a boss. Like, Hey, there's no more banana yogurt on that necklace. Way to take care of that. Because sometimes you have to be like your own cheerleader.
0: You know, she talks about cheerleading here. And I don't know if I'm going off tangent, off off on a tangent here, but did you guys see cheer on Netflix? It's this multi-episode documentary about this cheer team in Texas. You guys have to have to see this. And there's a character named Jerry, and he's a real kid. And he can't do the lifting too much and he can't go up in the air. But he's really great at encouraging everyone. And Jerry just kind of claps his head. He'll be like, you go, Gwen. You do that flip, Gwen. You're going to do it today, Gwen. Like, Jerry is this breakout star. And so there's all these videos now of Jerry going to different places at people's jobs and just high-fiving people as they walk in. Like, I just think, like, be your own Jerry, basically. He was on the carpet, red carpet for the Oscars. And, like, Brad Pitt freaked out when he met him. (laughs) Like, you guys... if if you get nothing else from this episode check out jerry on cheer you will it'll change your life (laughs) i'm going to yeah it's if you're looking for something to binge on on netflix (laughs) and jerry is amazing and yeah you just sometimes yeah just walking across the room and not tripping over anything for me is like a great great i want to high five myself like yeah margo you weren't too clumsy today like let's all just celebrate each other way to go
1: Go. go. more celebration
0: absolutely so that's our interview today it's lisa caning the possibility mom and guys if you like what you hear be sure to subscribe that way you'll never miss an episode you can leave us a few stars and review on itunes that'd be amazing you can follow us on all social media at fitbottom girls and if you would like some stickers just send us an email podcast at fitbottomgirls.com here we go with lisa caning Lisa Koenig is an interior design and lifestyle expert who helps moms design their lives around what matters most. Lisa's passion for moms to overcome perpetual overwhelm and constant mom guilt in favor of a life that is fulfilling and abundant is apparent in everything she does. Lisa has become a recognizable face in the interior design and entertainment industry as the designer on HGTV's Marriage Under Construction working on the design team of Buying and Selling with the Property Brothers. At the same time as growing her design business, Lisa grew her family to eight children in under 10 years. As a result, Lisa has developed a unique approach to time management and productivity, which she shares in her online courses and coaching programs. Her newest book is The Possibility Mom, How to Be a Great Mom and Pursue Your Dreams at the Same Time. Welcome to the show, Lisa Kaning. Hello. Hello. This is FBG Margot, and on the line today we have FBG Jen. Hello. And Lisa, we're just gonna dive right into it. And I'm asking you, as a single woman, you are raising seven children.
1: <laughs> Please, I sure am.
0: What is going on? Sorry, let's just start right there. What what brought you to this journey?
2: You know, it's interesting. I come from two kids. My husband comes from, he's the oldest of six kids. And so I remember when I would come to his family parties, I would just be so overwhelmed by all the noise. So let's just say my journey to having seven children was absolutely an adventure. (laughs) Let's just say an adventure. Um, I love life with my seven kids. It Keeps me on my toes. Literally, it is never boring. Um, but I would, I would definitely share with you that it was like just a fun surprise. I, I didn't really know how much I was going to love being a mom of so many kids.
1: Wow, <laughs> it's so cool. Um, so we are going to talk, I think, a lot about your book, um, the Possibility Mom, and in it, you, in the beginning of it, you really kind of take us through this moment, this epiphany Mm -hmm. where you are like, whoo, like you just, it just changes how you see everything. Can you just as a primer to this conversation, can you take us through that today? Yeah, absolutely. And,
2: and this is the thing, like I have always been a very driven, ambitious person. Like when I was a five-year-old, I was making bracelets and I realized that I could make them for five cents and sell them for 10 cents. Like the entrepreneurial bug in me has always been there. And on the outside, when I would see other moms, like I'm talking now when I was in high school and university and I was thinking about what I was going to do with my career and becoming a mom, all these things. I just remember always thinking, I just don't know how you can do both. And do both well. I really didn't know how you could be a driven person and want to follow your dreams, because I had so many in my heart as a young adult, and I didn't know how you could also be a great mom and a present wife and a loving homemaker. I didn't really understand how those two things mixed together. And so the epiphany I had <laughs> was when I was sitting in my car, um, my my minivan. And I remember it was a November day in Toronto and we had just gotten a beautiful light dusting of snow. So everything looks so perfect and pristine and beautiful outside And then when I looked inside my minivan, it was in such sharp contrast to how beautiful it was outside where um, I had like. My passenger seat full of interior design things, the floor of my car was covered in sippy cups and water bottles and goldfish crackers crumpled up like in every archaeological, it was like an archaeological site, honestly, of different stages of food decay and evidence of children. I had all these car seats because at that time I had um, four small kids four five and under. And in the back of my van, I had my tiny little baby. I was only five days out of the hospital. And I had put so much pressure on myself. This whole tension that I just described of following my dreams and being a great mom, I had put so much pressure on um, my identity and what it meant to be working and being a mom, that I felt like it was important for me to be going into a construction job site because I was practicing interior design at that time um, with my five-day-old daughter. And that was the beginning of the end for me when I just sort of looked around my minivan and I realized, oh, my word, my priorities in life right now are as messy as my minivan and I'm getting emotional even just telling the story because I just felt so much tension of feeling like I had to be perfect at so many things I had to excel at so many things and that was the day I said there must be another way to do this
0: well you talk about mastering uh, it's alliteration here. Mastering messy mom moments, which I can imagine looking <laughs> around a minivan and seeing all that you know chaos. Uh, you know, how do you 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 talk about keeping calm and parenting on using visualization techniques? Can you go into that a little bit?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and this is the thing, like that story that I just mentioned about the minivan. It's been the last basically five years of my life. That baby who was five days old is now five. Uh, So the last five years for me have been an exercise in how do you juggle, how do you balance your goals and dreams and show up and be good to your body, be good to your health, be good to your husband, be good to, you know, the other uh, things that are important in your life. Um, And so one of the techniques that has been really helpful that I've learned very much from sports psychology um, is this whole notion of visualization. When an Olympic athlete is preparing for, let's just say, a dive, for example, Michael Phelps, there's many stories you can find on the Internet of how he prepares for um, Olympic um, dives. They visualize the dive or the race or the performance going at its most peak ideal Performance, And I think we can apply this in so many other areas of our um, of our lives. And in my mothering and in my chaotic life of my minivan, um, I do the same thing. So, for example, this just happened just the other day. <laughs> a child spilled the entire contents of a cereal box, like entire contents. It was like a minefield of little cereal bits. Um, And you can respond in a myriad of ways. And the way that I've tried to really reprogram my brain is instead of just getting mad and being frustrated and being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I have to clean this up and throwing a lot of shame and blame in the way of the child. Instead, just being like, oh my gosh what happened? Oh, no. And having just a little bit of humor, bringing a little bit of levity, let's clean this up together. And um, that's how I've had to retrain my brain so that my life was not so reactive. Because here's the thing, and we know this, stress in our bodies is not good for us. And if I got stressed at every single moment, that something in my life was out of control, I would not in a good healthy my adrenal glands would not be well you know my just my nervous system would not be well and that's what really that first five years of my mothering career was just constant stress constant like just i was at such risk of my adrenals like fatiguing and you know waving the white flag um and so i find that this exercise of visualization can really help with our mental and
1: physical health so how do you do that exactly do you do you like sit down and you're like okay like just, I guess, visualize the possibilities of, <laughs> of like, show moments that could happen. Like, what if?
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like literally, to be honest. And I, what I what I suggest to the moms that I coach is just pick the, the ones that come up consistently. So um, just to give you another example, one other stressful moment that I found was consistent was coming in the door for me from work, from a trip, from anything, where I'd often be coming in the door with like a bunch of bags, a coffee, like just like very sort of burden coming in physically with a bunch of stuff. And then my children would all be like all over me and things would go flying, spilling, and I'd get frustrated. And so I just, encourage people to just isolate, just start with one moment that seems to be consistent. So for example, everybody comes home from whatever activity they're doing. That could be a consistent thing. Maybe something like waking up in the morning and that rush or all the activities you have to do in the morning before people get on their way for their days, just start with one activity and then literally it doesn't you don't have to be anywhere special you can do this literally anywhere just close your eyes and picture that 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 typical moment or that recurring moment that's a regular stressor for you and just play it like a movie literally like watch like just to give the example of coming out of my car so i come out of my car i get my key i put it in the door i turn the knob i come in i have a smile on my face when my children rush at me because they're excited to see me i smile back I put down a bag. I don't um, spill everything. Like, And I respond in a positive manner. And honestly, I just really challenge people that... If you can do that, and this can go for anything. This can go for when you don't want to get out of bed and work out first thing in the morning. This can go for you always forget to take your supplements. This can go for choosing to eat a salmon as opposed to the bag of potato chips that's convenient. Like any moment where we are feeling that pull of, oh, I could respond in a less ideal way, visualization can be a really powerful tool.
0: What about just making these new habits stick? What are your top tips for that?
2: It is so interesting what I've learned about the brain. And I am not a neuroscientist or I'm not a specialist in neuropsychology or anything. But what I have learned about the brain is that it craves patterns. This is why it is so easy for us to fall into the same bad habit, whatever it is, food, exercise, spending too much time on social media, the brain literally just looks for the easiest pathway. That's like a, it's like a trench. Like if you're digging, um, you know, a tunnel or a trench in the ground, we, the brain just really likes to follow that same exact pattern because it's always looking to keep us safe. And so we have to, it sounds simple (laughs) and it is simple when you think of it in the abstract, putting into practice is harder, but we have to just create these new trenches. And when we create these new trenches, that's when it becomes like snap your fingers easy like honestly but it's the creating of the new trenches that is the hardest part and really like my advice there is that you have to um picture what your future self wants that phrase i got that from a colleague of mine dane sanders what does your future self want so when you're staring at the fridge and you're like, oh, I really should eat the salmon. But the bag of potato chips is so convenient. Literally asking yourself in that moment, what does my future self want? And you pick the option that you know to be true, right?
1: So, so what is a possibility, mom? That's a great question.
2: <laughs> I think a possibility, mom... Is who is a mom who isn't satisfied with A or B. That was the challenge that I found when I was a young young adult, looking at other moms, not understanding how you could make a career, and present motherhood work. Uh, that was the, the 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 challenge and the tension I felt in that minivan where I was just like, it can't just be A or B. What about C, D, E, F, G? What about Any other number of possibilities. So I would say a possibility mom is a mom who looks for the way, looks for the solution, looks for the unique way to live her life that is going to bring fulfillment and joy and happiness to her and her family.
0: Well, let's talk about reclaiming me time. I mean, you have seven kids and a career and a husband and church and all these things going on. How do you find time for yourself? What are your tips for that?
2: You've got to schedule it. I think the whole conversation on self-care is actually quite a volatile one right now because I feel like if not handled in the right way, it just becomes another thing for a mom to feel bad about. Oh, great. Like now I need to worry about like, you know, making some time for me. When do I make some time for me in the midst of all of my juggling? Right. So what I would say is the exact same way that we prioritize showing up for a kid's soccer game, you know, showing up for dentist appointments. I often say to the moms I coach that I feel like a lot of people prioritize the dentist more than they do prioritize their mental and physical health. And this is the thing it's just at the at the at the end of the day, it's like math. We cannot give from a well that is empty. We cannot be the best version of ourselves, be the best wives and moms and contributors to society if we are not constantly refueling. And this constant refueling, quote unquote, can look so different for everyone based on what season of life they're in, based on um, how much access they might have to childcare, based on flexibility, based on if they have small kids, older kids, like it's going to look so different. And it's so important that a mom doesn't compare herself to another mom. But the the point is that I really want to emphasize is that you've got to schedule it and prioritize it in the same way that you would prioritize something important for your child. It just cannot be a thing that we neglect. So what is it for you? Oh, it's so many things. <laughs> um, for me, it is, uh, it, it, I can answer this so many different ways. I'll, I'll keep it simple. It, for me, it's keeping the commitments that I said I would do so that I become the kind of person that I want to be. And so, for example, um, I have a non-negotiable of keeping my phone in the charge away from my body between 4 and 5.30 p.m. This is an activity that I do to ensure that my children get a present mom. And so it's it's a strategy, to be honest, that I use to ensure that they literally physically see me and remember me engaging with them. Um, because otherwise, I can definitely get just distracted, even if I just think, oh, I'm just going to do one real quick thing. It leads into a rabbit you know, trail of other things. Um, but then what's so interesting is that becomes like self-care for me. It becomes a time of being mindful, literally just sitting with my child and reading a book, being present in the moment and not feeling so distracted. I really treasure that hour and a half every day, um, because it forces me to just slow down and be at the, um, at the level of my kids, both physically, mentally, you know, and just really like, calm down and not be juggling a hundred things at the same time. And then, of course, it looks like also I have a a rotating coffee date on Fridays with um, different girlfriends in my life. Um it looks like a lot of quiet. like I really, really value um, a restorative evening where I can just like read a book with a cup of tea or a glass of wine. Um, And for me, it looks like quiet in the mornings. I love a morning routine where there can just be a little bit of time for um, gratitude, prayer, meditation, where it's just before the hecticness and the things that I can't control in my day, I can control um, a few moments of peace and quiet part of your work
0: schedule is that you try to work only four hours a day. Why is that?
2: Well, it's interesting. One of the things that I learned as an entrepreneur, so I used to practice interior design. Um, very. Uh, I still practice interior design, but I, I practice it in a very hands-on way. So I was implementing projects for clients, major renovations. And what was interesting about that time is that I just found that you could not put a time limit on the day because you were often at the mercy of other people. So, for example, even if I scheduled myself to be on a job site between, let's say, 10 and 2 p.m. and I knew I had appointments, all those uh, during that time, if a contractor was running late, or if something went wrong, or if the client got held up, or you know I was the only one with the key, but we were waiting on somebody, and I had to lock up, etc., etc., etc. There were just so many variables in the world of implementing interior design projects that I could not control, and it just made it unsustainable in the sense of if I wanted to be. There with my kids when um, they got home from school, it just became very chaotic and very hectic. Um, And so I moved my model to a way where I could control the time. And this is what I always encourage um, a mom who has some ability to design her work schedule, whether she's an entrepreneur or not to look for ways that you can do things efficiently, to look for ways where you can ensure that you're working at your highest capacity. So whatever that unique thing is that you bring to an exercise, to an activity, that you're there for that. And then anything else that anyone else can do, you delegate off to other people or you automate through technology or you simply delete. And so this whole notion of the four hour workday for me really came out of again wanting to put boundaries on my times so I could show up and be a present wife and mom um, and also from this whole notion of where is my as Dan Sullivan calls my unique ability where do I uniquely excel what are things that only I can do and so I really try to only stay in those areas and then delegate everything else so that you can um, limit your work hours
1: that actually leads really well into one of my questions I already had written down, which was, um, how? What do you delegate, and what do you outsource, both from mm-hmm. a um, like a family, you know, yeah. house, sure, and and if you want to get into some of the work stuff, yeah, cool. yeah, sure, absolutely. It really starts with
2: the question of what can only I do. So really, like, what can only Lisa Canning do, and trying to keep that list really small. So for me, only I can date my husband. (laughs) Only I can be a nurturing mom. There are elements of childcare that can definitely be um, delegated to other people, to extended family, to childcare professionals. But there are certain things that only I can do to really nurture and create that um, that relationship and foster that relationship. And then in my business, of course, there's there's the, some of the content showing up live on um, social media, just doing the things that come from my unique experience that really can only be said or only be really communicated. Communicated in my by me personally, um, and so then the things that I delegate are literally. I think could anyone else literally do this? And it's very difficult in the beginning. I wanted a hand in everything. I, I, you know, for any other entrepreneurs out there, I feel like you know this this challenge is that you've you've almost like my business is like my eighth baby. Like you you, you feel like you've given birth to this thing, and the the thought of handing off any aspect can be so challenging. But again. I love, you know, the book Essentialism like what we say no to is actually a yes to something else and to just really give up the control in favor of again, a healthier lifestyle, healthier mental health and physical health. And so for me, I literally just just asked myself, could anyone else be doing this task right now? And so in my business, it's a lot of the technology, a lot of the automation that happens, anything accounting, billing related, etc. And then in my home, it's things like we automate um, dinner. (laughs) We we have a uh, subscription box that shows up to our house. So I don't even think about what's for dinner. That was a huge pain point for me in the past. I never knew what to cook for dinner. I would stand and they're in paralysis, looking at my fridge, and um, things like even grocery shopping. Like I have a a list, literally that is in the computer on a um, on a platform where you just press place the same order as last week and then I just drive my (laughs) I drive my 10 seat passenger van up to pick up my groceries and they get loaded in the car for me so um I really just start with the question like is this something that anyone else can do and if I'm able to then that gets delegated to someone else so you were a
0: cheerleader at university when you were in college can you tell us what that taught you about stamina
2: So it's so interesting because I, I went to a performing arts high school in Toronto so we had no sports teams we didn't even have like a field there was like a small patch of grass <laughs> so <laughs> in, in my high school there just was no opportunity for anything like that but I was always interested in um, cheerleading both for the like the fun rah-rah um, type of aspect but also for the athleticism I, I, I just I was a dancer through high school um, and so when I went to university and they had just launched the team I was like I am the first one sign it up and it was oh my gosh honestly some of my best memories from that time period are from cheerleading and it just it teaches you that you need to like it was so interesting the experience of keeping up with a team Because the way that cheerleading works for anyone not familiar, like I was a base, which literally you're holding a girl in the air, you're throwing a girl in the air. And if you don't have the ability, if you don't have the strength, if you don't have the um, mental ability to have good habits show up, literally throw your hands up in the air and catch this girl, things can happen girls can fall, people can get hurt. And so it it was such an interesting experience from both a um, physical um, experience of getting to the gym, ensuring that I was in top condition so I could support the other people on my team, but also on mental stamina, because it was the same kind of thing, like I could choose now to go to the pub with my friends, or I could choose to do the workout that I didn't do earlier because I decided to sleep in, all those kinds of things. And so it taught me a lot about um, how to stay the course in order to support a greater mission (laughs) it sounds deep like but it it really is like cheerleading you would might not think like uh, this like deep conversation on teamwork and stamina and showing up can exist in something that looks just really like fun and rah-rah but there are so many great lessons to be learned from um working as an athlete on a team that has to be as synchronized and synergized as um competitive cheerleading
1: which kind of works well as a family too right like (laughs) um okay i have so many different questions let's talk about new moms Okay, so particularly, because I feel like when you have your first, I've had this conversation with so many different moms, when you have your first baby, I feel like at first there's kind of this, this almost struggle to, or just a complete like change of your identity. You know, we're used to, like, be this thing, and now you're this mom, you know, to this baby, and it needs a lot. And it can be difficult sometimes to feel like you still have an identity that's not just a mom. Mm-hmm. Not that being just a mom is bad, but you know what I mean. Um, so I'm wondering, what advice can you give to, you know, women who are stay-at-home moms and are like, you know what, I do want more of an identity, but I'm having a hard time just getting mm-hmm.
2: there. It really is. An epidemic today, I would say. This whole conversation of motherhood, its worth to society, the identity of being a mom. And I think it has to begin with a holistic look at who we are as people. That we can't ignore other elements of ourselves and expect us to feel happy and whole and fulfilled. Um, And so what I would say to a new mom is to, and this is the, this is the big aha I had in the minivan, like at the beginning of the possibility mom that, that I share that story of being in the minivan and just feeling so confused. And what the aha I had was that my identity is not only comprised of what I do for work. My identity is not defined. My worthiness and this is the key, my worthiness is not defined by solely my career successes. This is the aha I feel like we have to have as a generation. And I I just, I hope and I pray my book helps do this because this is what happens when people who are successful and go-getters and are used to accomplishing anything (laughs) basically when you become a mom sometimes your major accomplishment of the day is showering or sometimes your major accomplishment of the day is actually putting away the laundry and that can be such a jarring experience for new moms and so what we have to do is change the conversation on what it means to succeed what it means to achieve like that achievement is not just only tied up in external things. Achievement can be, wow, today I kept my child alive. Wow, today I provided a safe and nurturing home. Wow, today I worked on myself and I was more gentle with... with, with who I am and accepting that, um, I have worth and I have a lot to contribute by raising this child. So I really do believe that it comes like, I, I want, I, <laughs> can you tell I'm passionate about this topic? Mm-hmm. I want to change a, the conversation on identity and motherhood and that achievement is not, um, wrapped up in, what we do and what we produce, and um, especially when it comes to career. It's a really hard thing right now.
0: Well, this goes to my question. It just popped into my head, but in, in America, we've had this college scandal with the a you know, couple of actresses that you know, paid money to, you know, to get their kids into a certain kind of university, and I think some people kind of see their, their kids as an extension of themselves, and people mm-hmm. are kind of losing sight of, you, know, you have to lead your kid to lead on, go on their own right?
2: Yeah, I mean, and it's a very difficult thing, because here in North America, we value achievement, you know, mm-hmm. like, people are celebrated by doing things and excelling. And um, it, it, it it, and it, even on social media, like I love so- social media, I really love it. Um, I love the connections that can be made. But of course, it's really challenging, because, especially in motherhood, you can feel like a constant failure, like constant, because you're looking at your phone, and you're, um, you know, you're looking at your phone, and you're feeling like you're missing out, because all these moms are portraying these lives that look so peaceful, and glamorous, and like they're drinking coffee in bed with white sheets, and there's no stains anywhere, but what people don't realize is on the other side of that photo are like a hundred piles of laundry, dirty diapers, bags of props that they're probably going to return. Cause they actually can't afford to have them for the shoot that they just had to portray this beautiful life. You know, it is a, it is a very challenging thing to um, remember how much more exists beyond these perfect little pictures. Anyways, this all goes back to this conversation of what is our worth and this has to be um something we remember for some people it might take therapy to really um dive into the struggle they may have um with where their worth comes from um and for some people it could be um a process of reading great books journaling and just being reflective and 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 that's where it all starts we all just have to take a moment and pause and say why am I doing this? Why is this important to me? Is something else driving this? Um, and is that a good thing?
1: Yeah, I know in your book you talk about limiting beliefs that moms have. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk because I think this kind of parlays well into that? Can you talk maybe a little bit about that and then um maybe share some examples of the most common ones you see and then better ways to reframe them?
2: Yeah, I mean I think I could I could talk for hours on this topic, but I'll I'll, I'll keep it succinct. Um, the most common one that I see is this, like what you asked me earlier about what does it mean to be a possibility mom, that there are only like two options, or there's only one option. I I I can't be a stay at home mom because dot dot dot. I can't go back to work because dot dot dot. Oh, I can't start a new business like. And the, the phrase that I really like to encourage people to look at to identify their limiting beliefs are there's no way I could do that because dot, dot, dot. Just like keep a, keep a sort of a reflection of when do you use that expression? Um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely see a very common li- limiting belief around pursuing any um, dreams and goals that are personal that might take them Like, even if they're still at home, but might even mentally take them away from motherhood, that's the most common limiting belief I see. And this could be anything like, I want to start a blog, but, oh, no, I feel so guilty. I can't be writing a blog while my kids are around or at school or what have you. Or, um, oh, I'd really love to start my own business, but I just I feel so bad. Like, that's not what I'm called. I'm, I'm supposed to be a mom right now. And that's the only thing I'm supposed to do. So I, I, I find there's a lot of tension in the moms that I speak to in this dance of pursuing personal goals and dreams, because somehow it's been written into their story that um, I should feel guilty for it. And so really, like how to reframe and how to think differently is just to think of different options. Like, okay, well, can I what can I do with 15 minutes a day? This is what I always tell people. It's like a dream doesn't happen overnight. We'd all be millionaires, everybody, <laughs> if if it was easy. If all these pathways to our goals and dreams were easy, we'd all be millionaires, like really and truly, because it would be that easy. But it's not. Every single entrepreneur, successful person, I, you know, literally, I I think would say the same thing is that everything starts somewhere. These people who have large success, like large platforms or what have you, big podcasts, like they didn't start with, you know, a hundred thousand downloads. They started with the first download. And so what can you do as a mom with 15 minutes? What if you gave 15 minutes to that personal goal or dream every single day, what would happen? Like what would be made possible if you gave that goal a chance?
0: How do you fit in? Fitness in everything else that you do I mean because <laughs> it sounds like you do want to you know You don't like to fit that in as well. How do you do that? And what What is your workout schedule like?
2: Okay, let me just tell you that I wrote The Possibility Mom Two years ago like just the way that books get written. I actually like the process it takes a very I, I Had no idea my friends how long it takes for a book to actually go from signing a contract writing the book and then getting out into the universe And so I wrote the first manuscript like two years ago and it was so interesting because when I was proofing the draft that was about to go out the one that is printed and and ready to to be released I was actually kind of shocked because I had such a mindset shift on fitness from when I first wrote the book I cried just talking about it to now basically like when I proof the book because I put I had put health at that time so far on the back burner and I had not made it a priority and I was I felt Basically, just completely helpless when it came to fitness. And because it just seemed too hard. And it just seemed like there's just no way I can fit this in amongst all the other things. And what I realized, and I think a lot of moms struggle with, is this like a bit of a, a bit of perfection around even working out. Oh, I, well there's no way I could do a 40 minute workout class. So forget it. I'm not even going to try or, Oh, there's no way I could get to the gym because I have no childcare. So why bother even doing anything at home or, Oh no, no. When I work out, that's my like self care time. So if my kids are around while I'm working out, there's just, I'm no, there's no way I'm not even going to bother trying. This is a wrong approach really. And truly like if you can get to a gym and that works for your family. Amazing. Good for you. I had, I had given up hope on any type of fitness simply because I just thought it would be so hard. And so what I had to change in my mind was that working out does not have to be an insurmountable goal. Working out does not have to be this perfect pursuit. I work, I work out with a Peloton app. So they are 10-minute, 15-minute workouts. If I can fit in two of them back-to-back, I will. It happens early in the morning. Or for me, it happens if, for whatever reason, the baby woke up or something and I wasn't able to do my workout early in the morning. Then it happens um, at nighttime when my kids are all sleeping and it happens in my home. And I just see this, we have to be fit. It is not it's another, it's a non-negotiable. Like, do we all have to be muscle um, builders? Do we all have to have, um, you know, this certain level of um, physique or um, what have you? No. Are we all going to look different or our bodies all going to look different? Absolutely. But we cannot see taking care of our bodies as something that should just be put as last on the priority list. It just is not possible. Like we will not be able to show up for the people that need us if we don't eat well, if we don't take care of our of our bodies. Like it just it's again it's like math. (laughs) If you keep putting bad food in but you don't do anything to burn off calories, we don't go down a very good road. And so it was a really vulnerable and interesting aha for me rereading the book and realizing, Oh my word, Lisa, two years ago, you were in a really bad place when it came to, um, your body and the priority that, you know, you give to your health. And so it is so difficult because again, it's like another thing to add to the list, but people have to remember that we only get one body. We only get like, literally like one vessel in which to function out of in which to show up and be our best selves so we really do have to take care of it and and I would just encourage all moms to not feel like there has to be this like perfect pursuit it could be as simple as 15 minutes
1: at home on an app can I guess what are some of um, just to kind of go back into general self-care whether that's working out or you know quiet time or you know whatever that is for the individual for moms who are you know on a budget or you know don't have support as much support or child care what kind of tips can you give them
2: Mm -hmm. so um there was a time when we were living on one very small budget and we had a bunch of small kids and so and we didn't have that much access to child care um I would like, like I, I, think of how you can utilize nap time. That's my favorite advice to moms with small kids. How can you utilize nap time? So one thing, one very practical thing I would do, I would time nap time and I would get all the kids in their pajamas put them all in the minivan and time it with their nap so that by the time I had driven about five minutes, they were all out. And then I would go and I would get my, like just a beautiful hot cup of coffee and a book and I would park in the most beautiful place I could think of, like usually near water or what have you. And I would just let the kids nap And I would zone out myself and lose myself in a great book. So to think of how can you utilize nap time, I find sometimes there is a little bit of tension with like, oh, but I should be doing all these other things. How about that should be doing is taking care of yourself in this moment. And then um, really like getting creative with um, even if you don't have money, because again, I just want to stress that I was there. My goodness, was I ever. Can you trade with a friend? Can we build a um, culture of support where – You take their kids for a portion of a day or the whole day and then they um, offer the same in return on another day. So you both get a nice solid chunk of time um, that doesn't really cost you any money. So I I really think it just comes down to, again, being a possibility mom and thinking what other options um, could I um, pursue that perhaps I may not have thought of and perhaps are outside of the box.
0: Can you talk to our audience just a little bit about your business? Uh, what you know, your entrepreneurship?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So for eleven years, I was. Um, working very hard in interior design, and I still do very select projects. Um, But now I am very much focused on helping overwhelmed moms be great moms while pursuing their personal goals and dreams at the same time. So what that looks like for me is my book. It looks like speaking. I have a signature program, um, an online course called Conquer Your Calendar, where I help moms plan their schedules. And then I have one-on-one coaching. So that's what entrepreneurship to me looks like right now. So what's a typical day like for you? Ooh. Well, how much detail do you want? Do you want a lot of detail or not a lot of detail? As much as you want to give, yeah. Okay, sure, sure. So um, alarm goes off at 6 a.m. And between 6 and sort of 6.30-ish, I'm like getting up, getting ready. Um, and then I do my Peloton workout. And um, haha, I used to. <laughs> I used to pray first and then work out but I found what happened was that I was just falling asleep <laughs> while I was praying so I inverted the two so now I work out first and then about 6 30 I grab a cup of coffee and I am reading the Bible and I'm praying until about seven o'clock and then usually to be honest my kids are kind of like um They've got a pretty natural clock and so they're usually all up by 7 I don't really have to wake them up. And then we do breakfast and all that kind of stuff and last-minute homework. I'm making lunches for the kids. Um, and then by 8.15 or so, we are out the door um, and I'm taking my four oldest kids off to school. Um, on the way home from school, so I really like to couple activities. I learned this in James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. Can you, I believe he calls it, coupling activities so that are coupling habits um, so that they're always associated with each other um, for example I brush my teeth and then I take a daily thyroid medication because I have um, I have no thyroid it was taken out um, 11 years ago uh, and what I do is on the way home from dropping my kids off from school there is a chapel that I visit and I go in there and I do a little bit more prayer time just about 10 minutes then in the car after that I go live on all my social media channels so on Instagram. On Facebook in my Facebook group, um, the Possibility Mom Success Circle, um, I show up in those areas online, and then I come home, and that's my first like deep work period. Um, I usually make sure that my little kids are okay. So we have a full-time nanny who takes care of my um, smallest kids. I've got a three-year-old still at home, a two-year-old, and then the baby who's nine months. Um, so usually by that time I'm um, nursing the baby for example, and then just kind of checking in with them, giving them hugs and kisses and whatnot. And then I launch into my first period of the day of deep work. And so that is usually from between 10, 10, 15 or so um, to 12. And in that period, it kind of varies every day. Sometimes that's a coaching call for one of my moms in one of my programs. Sometimes that is just a deep work session where I'm creating content, where I'm um, brainstorming my um, YouTube video, for example, or I'm writing articles for um, my blog um, or for someone else, or I'm guesting on a podcast, for example. And then at 12, um, I break for lunch and my husband also works from home. So that's often a time that we sort of just kind of catch up and connect together. I have lunch with my with my little kids. Um, And then I'm usually nursing the baby again, and she's down for a nap at 1pm. And then that begins my second deep work session uh, between 1 and um, 3pm. And same kind of a thing. Um, Sometimes if I feel like, okay, I've been home all morning, I'd like to like get out um, and just move my body a little bit. Um, I might um, do the work while walking or I might um, go to another location um, just so I can get a little bit of mobility and movement in my body. Um, And so I might walk somewhere local or go literally work in the park. And then I'm usually wrapping things up um, in terms of all work and whatnot. Um, between 3:30 and 4 p.m., when my children walk in the door, so we have a basically a, a it's an understanding between my husband and I that um, he always picks up the kids from school. So there there used to be tension. Oh, who's picking up the kids today? We 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 remove anything in our lives where a decision has to be made, like to remove. Decision fatigue in as many areas as we can has been so helpful <laughs> because it's just like unnecessary um, energy sometimes when you're kind of just trying to decide what to do. So we, ha- we have that um, taken care of. And then my kids walk in the door at 4 p.m. My um, nanny has already um, prepared dinner, and then we sit down as a family from 4 to 4 30. We actually eat early because what I was finding was we would put out this like love lovely snack for my school aged children. And then come 6pm, everyone was like, I'm not eating dinner. <laughs> and I was like, well, this is not <laughs> something needs to change. And so we actually invert it, we eat our full dinner at 4pm. Um, and we really use um, dinner to connect as a family, it is very much a non negotiable for me that we sit down and we eat. And um, We have, sometimes I have this little pack of cards called table talk. And um, sometimes I'll pull out that pack of cards. It has like really cute, interesting questions just to stimulate conversation. Like if you had a superpower, like what would it be? That kind of thing. Um, And uh, sometimes we will do that. And then around 4.30, um, we are Catholic and so we have a tradition of praying um, a prayer called the rosary and so we do that at 4.30 and then 4.45 that's when we are sort of breaking into different activities. We don't keep our kids or we don't, we choose to keep our evenings as peaceful as possible so we don't have our children enrolled in many after school activities. They do most of their activities um, in their school hours on their lunch hour for example that's where they foster different hobbies and whatnot Um, but we do have for example, one of my children is in regular tutoring, rather. And then um, sometimes that's when I will, um, the opportunity for one-on-one time will happen with with our kids individually. So my husband and I will kind of take turns, um, literally, even if it's just an errand, like, you know, John, why don't you come with me on this errand? Um, And so then the afternoon really is kids are playing, one of the interesting things that was such a fun surprise about having seven children is they are this little like pack. (laughs) It's so interesting. They all just play. They don't always play nicely together, but they play together. Like my afternoon is often just watching the madness unfolds and they make up games, they build forts and they kind of, whatever. They they really do have um, a a very, the word I want to use is it surprised me. It really did surprise me just how much they would um, band together, I guess, and come up with their own little, you know, entertainment for each other, with each other. Um, So that usually leads us to about five, 30, I would say six o'clock. My daughter might be home from tutoring that day. Um, we watch a little bit of TV at the end of the day. Um, and that usually takes us to about 6 30 or 7 PM and then 7 PM, everybody is, all the kids are off to bed. And my older kids will sometimes, um, you know, read and occupy themselves. But basically, um, my husband and I are tidying up after any leftover dishes that were left from the day, um, tidying up the living room, re, re, reconstructing our sofas, because <laughs> they are often <laughs> deconstructed into forts. And then Our evenings, like I mentioned earlier, um, we like to keep very sacred. I find my husband and I have almost polar opposite personalities. (laughs) I am um, very, like, outgoing. I like to move very fast. I could jam my schedule with 100 things. I have quite a bit of stamina um, and endurance to do many different activities. Um, My husband, on the other hand, loves to retreat he loves quiet he loves a very slow and peaceful way of life I it is a wonderful blessing for me because he really gives me the opportunity to slow down like really and surely he's taught me how to slow down and so our evenings will be very peaceful like often oftentimes um where we, um, because we work together in my business, uh, sometimes we are catching each other up on certain things that we weren't able to tell each other in the, in the day. Um, but we really do both of us try to, um, as much as possible, uh, um, have a very peaceful evening so that could look like sometimes the tv is on sometimes it's reading books sometimes it's um doing um like uh, we, we sometimes invest in online courses but we, we we really just try to keep a very restorative evening and then i'm usually getting ready for bed by um 9 so that i'm in bed physically by 10 and asleep usually by 10:30 or so so that is that's the lisa canning day that's a
0: hell of a day i have to ask you a question i know we're being very cognizant of your time but i have to ask this you worked with the property brothers
2: yes what are they like oh they're amazing i you know okay so i worked um I started my career on HGTV hosting a show called Marriage Under Construction, uh, and that was in 2007. And then that led me on to just the most amazing journey of working as what's called a production designer on different television shows. So I've worked on about a dozen um, HGTV kind of shows shows that you've seen on networks like hgtv and one of those shows was the property brothers and i was working on their team um for a solid um solid couple years and they are just i gotta tell you they have taught me so much about work ethic and they have taught me so much about showing up for their fans i do not think i have ever witnessed people who are so invested in um in their fan base they just they show up for their for their fans like nobody I've ever seen and they are just as charming and funny and likable as you see on tv they very much are very similar to what you see I love hearing
1: that on on television yeah they're really fun so if people want more information from you and what you do uh, where can they find you lisacanning.ca is my
2: website and then my most active social media is Instagram and that's just my name lisa canning. And we do have one more question for
0: you. Sure. What was the last song you listened to before you did this podcast interview?
2: <laughs> um okay. You're gonna laugh because the name of your podcast, right? So yeah. I was like, Fit bottom girl, da 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 I don't even know the words for that song, but that's what was literally I was singing it out loud, just getting all excited.
1: That's so exciting.
2: <laughs> Yay Queen the podcast. Yes, but I couldn't even I'm the worst singing the words of songs I, I make them all up like I don't know what <laughs> hold me closer um hold me closer tiny dancer I was convinced was hold me closer Tony Danza for the longest time <laughs> that's hilarious your, your your podcast is so fun fit bottom girls I think that is just so like clever well thank, thank you
0: thank you so much for being on the show you're a great
2: guest oh you're so kind thank you so much for having me